This is the Purpose Lab. I didn't want to get high on Mighty and say, oh, I'm about to get recruited by the NFL or there's an opportunity. As I was out here playing Division II football, having fun and playing a game I love. That's how I approached each and every day. I didn't, I didn't want to look to the future and just kind of be playing each and every game because I wanted to get something from it. Welcome to the Purpose Lab. I'm excited about this episode because today's episode, we get to interview one of my favorites. I know you'll hear that a lot, but I truly love these humans that we're actually interviewing during this platform called The Purpose Lab. But today we have CJ. CJ is one of my former student athletes that used to um, really just exemplify the word student because he came in and knew that the degree was important, but then he had a chance to do this other thing that we'll talk about as we go through this interviewing process, but we'll talk about his time at the NFL. But really, what was the things that he learned prior to getting to the NFL? And that's what I'm excited about to talk about, to kind of flush it all out and see how it lines up with purpose. So without further ado, welcome to the Purpose Lab, CJ. Thank you for reaching out and uh, giving me the opportunity, and I'm blessed. Man, you truly, truly are in... Um, um, I, so we did. This is our second. This is our second session. And it's it's funny because our tagline for the podcast is we're trying to interview the most successful mm-hmm. failures. That's what we're on a journey to do, to interview the most successful failures. And because I strongly believe that in order for us to truly learn, we have to fail. And so that's what I want to talk a little bit about is, is, is you and, and hopefully you oh, be as yeah. transparent as I know you can be because the world needs to hear your story because I know the story, but I'm so excited about the world getting a chance to hear your story because it's not how oh, you yeah, start, it's how you finish man. that counts, right? I'll be as right? transparent, as open as I can be. I mean, I think it's good for me to tell people my story because I'm sure there's other people out there going through the same things I went through and, um, it's nothing for me to hide, man. I am who I am, and um, the things I've been through made me who I am today. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So, CJ, tell me a little bit about, when we talk about that word failure, what does failure mean to you? Oh, man, failure to me means, I mean, it's easy to think about it in the sense of, like, how you fail a test or something along those lines. But to me, it's like, when you reach ultimate failure, it's like, You've done something wrong so many times. You got knocked down so many times that you've given up. That's when you really fail. Like, you can get knocked down and keep getting knocked down. You keep failing the test, keep failing the test. But if you keep going back and doing it over again, you're not a failure. That's not failure. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't see it as just because I lost the game and I keep losing to this team over and over, that's failure. No, we're going to keep showing up every single week. And eventually I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to learn from those mistakes. I'm going to learn from those knockdowns. I'm going to learn from those missed opportunities to be successful. But once you give up, that's when it becomes a failure. Once you give up on just because you can't handle that, that beating can't handle those obstacles, can't handle, handle those knockdowns anymore that you've given up. So that's when it becomes failure to me. Definitely. And it's, it's so funny because, you know, I think about you and others, but especially you, you played at the highest level. And I've even watched you play at what wasn't the highest level and you dominated that and went back to the highest level. But tell us a little bit about your background and where you came from, because it wasn't like you went to those schools that everybody is familiar with, the the the, the Michigans, the Alabamas. Right. So tell us yeah. a little bit about your story. Yeah, man, it's kind of it's kind of crazy, man. I'm I grew up in northern Kentucky. Um, if you know anything about Kentucky, 
when you we kind of say you, if you're from northern Kentucky, when you say you're from Kentucky, you're gonna say northern Kentucky because you're not mm-hmm. just gonna say Kentucky. So I'm from northern Kentucky, and um, yeah, when I transferred schools to Lloyd Memorial uh, my sophomore year and began playing football as a junior. Um, and junior year, I just started getting offers for football. I mean, I didn't play football; I was only a baseball guy growing up. And um, yeah, I was kind of at that time. I didn't even know you could get scholarships for football. Honestly, it was just something that was. I didn't think about growing up in the inner city. Like I didn't even know nothing about college. I, I tell you no lie. God's honest truth. I didn't know anything about scholarships, Nike camps, none of that stuff kids have today. And I started getting offers as a junior. Um, I committed to Louisville um, initially. Then I decommitted um, because I would have had a gray shirt. Mm. So I ended up going to Eastern Kentucky my true freshman year which I played a little bit as a true freshman, um, played a little bit too much. I think I was very immature. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, I was just immature as any college kid going into a new environment, uh, being out of the house, being on your own, just a boy with, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> In that atmosphere, I ended uh-huh. up getting suspended from uh, Eastern Kentucky, my true freshman year. Um, that kind of was a shell shocker for me. It was the hardest thing for me because going home and telling your dad that you just lost your full ride scholarship is kind of, mm-hmm kind of crazy and um so i suspended for two years from there from there i went on to california to a junior college called antelope valley college where i played had a lot of success uh met my wife there so that was that was that was that was a blessing and um then i went there played a couple uh played that year there and during that time my dad got really ill i remember him calling me um one night it was probably four o'clock Kentucky time and 4 a.m. Kentucky time. And he called me. I could barely hear him. He was muffling and mm. something transpired and the doctors called me and all type of stuff. And they thought he was on his last leg. And it was, it was really hard at that time. So for me, it was, I went to be back home with my, with my father. So I took that following year off, came home. I was taking classes at a local school here and I was working at Olive Garden and Arby's, working two <laughs> jobs. Me, me and my wife, we had our first first daughter then, and uh, I was grinding, uh-huh. literally working. And that was my life, uh, trying to help my father as much as I can financially and uh, just trying to be present at that time yeah. and also trying to be a father. So yeah, it, it was yeah. something new. It was something that helped me grow up uh, a lot at that moment. And um uh, it was definitely the grind during those times. Like <laughs> I was a host at Olive Garden and I, I mean, I, I'm a very approachable guy, but if you know, yeah. me, I, I don't like to talk too much. So it was kind of, you, you don't, I'm, I'm to myself and uh, it was different, but um, I embraced it because I knew it was something that I had to do at the time. And mm. so after that, um, I, I spoke with the NCAA clearinghouse and asked them what would be my best option. Do I go back division one, division two, uh, what's best? And um, mm-hmm. they said Division Two would be the best, uh, best, best option because I can go there, sit out, and still have two years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so, honestly, uh, being as real as possible, I didn't know anything about Division Two football. I'm not a fan of a team. I'm not a guy who grew up just watching sports. I don't have a favorite team. I don't root for people. Like that's just not who I am. Yeah. Like I just that's that's not me. So let me I let me cut you off on one Google. second. 
let me try to off and, and we'll get to Google. Yeah. When you say that, I need our audience to really understand that because I think a lot of times everyone tries to, a lot of us, not everyone, but a lot of, especially young men, women, they're trying to fit in. And that is truly mm. what you just said is so deep because I've watched you not try to fit in, but do your own thing. I taught a yeah. class and, 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 and I used to make CJ take certain classes, one being speech. And we'll talk about that as we go on. Cause he got on me cause he didn't want to take this speech class, but I knew something big was going to happen in his life. And I needed him to be able to, to speak. I needed him to be, but they don't like taking the speech class. But anyway, um, he had took this hip hop class and in the hip hop class, I made them do speeches and different things like, like that. And then they had to do, but he would never do hip hop artists. He always did R and B artists. And I see it's a hip hop class, CJ. He was like, I don't like hip hop. I want to do R and B. So I allow him to do, and he came up with so many creative things, but he was always different. And that is one thing out of the many that I really respected about you that not trying to fit in the crowd, but go ahead. I'm sorry. You Google yeah. NCAA, you Google best division two schools. Yeah. So I typed in the best division two football programs and uh, gave me a list. I think it was like 25 mm-hmm. and I sent emails to the first top seven guys, top seven teams on that, on that list, I sent them an email, tell them who I was, tell them where I came from, tell them my history highlights and everything else. And, um, I remember there's a few teams that reached out to me, but Coach Kaler at Grand Valley State was one of the first to to respond to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, Michigan, it's going to be cold. I didn't know. I was I just was – I was excited for the opportunity. So I remember me, my wife, and my daughter, we drove up to Michigan. It was spring break. I remember this. It was spring uh-huh. <laughs> spring break, and we pull up, and it's flurrying. There's snow uh-huh. flurries. It's, uh-huh. We're like, what is going on? Like, I said, all right, we're here for opportunity. So – I sat down with the guys and they ended up working me out and I did very well. They offered me a scholarship and uh, it, w- it was really exciting for me because I was like, man, I just went through all this crazy turmoil and I get another opportunity. And um, I remember sitting down in that meeting with Coach Keller and it, just the the energy he had and the passion he had behind everything and just the welcoming open arms the whole athletic program had when I was there. It was just like, this is the place I need to be. And I didn't really think about definitely what was what was going to happen uh, with this opportunity. I was just happy for the opportunity to be able to continue my education and uh, get back to playing football again. So, uh, yeah, I went on to Grand Valley and set out my first year, came back the next two years. Had a was that hard for you? Was sitting out your first year, was that um, hard for at you? At first, you know, coming in, you want to play. Um, but I do, they had a, they had mm-hmm. some good guys and just eligibility rules I had to sit out. I, it was no, there was no way I could play. Mm-hmm. And I knew it would be beneficial for me in yeah. the long run because that, that gave me the time to learn, learn the playbook and go in there and be able to play wide open. No, no holding back. I know everything mm-hmm. I could. I know all the terminology. I know all the plays. I know all the calls. And it made me go into that following year, be able to play wide open and, so that's why when I first the first time I stepped on the field, I think I had three catches, two touchdowns, like 102 yards or something like that. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Let, let, let me ask some more questions because I I knew we was gonna get there. And 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 what's what's amazing about what you told me was um, you know, I got a lot of guys that I work with, and I'm sure it's a lot of guys around the country, period, that that's the thing. They want to go in, they want to play, and I get it because they're athletes. But one of the things that that I heard you say was 
taking that opportunity to learn. And I think that part gets missed a lot of times is the opportunity to learn. So that red shirt freshmen that come in and, and they want to play, they want to play right away. And it's, they need to get bigger. They need to get faster. And more than anything, they need to know the playbook. And so you being able to do that, how did that prepare you for that first game that yeah. you're talking about to where you were and just ready with the confidence? Tremendously. I mean, coming in, I mean, I know I'm going to be one of the better athletes on the field every time. That's just who I feel. That's how I feel on the inside. But it's more than just being a good athlete, uh, being able to play the football game. It's, it's a lot that has to come with that's up in here. You got to be able to know the plays. You got to be able to know them inside and out. You got to be able to understand defense inside and out from the, even if you're on the offensive side, you got to know those little things because like I said, that gives you the freedom to play wide open. And I don't care how good you are. If you go in there and, uh, and you're second guessing a play call or you don't know what coverage the defense area is, is in, you're just going to be in, you're going to be in a tight. You're not going to be able to play as fast as you can. So once you, if you can sit out and build up that confidence, it's not, it's going to be beneficial. It's not fun because everybody wants to play. Like we're athletes, we're competitive. You want to get in there and play. You want to get in there and showcase your ability. But if you, if you could get that confidence, gain that confidence, gain the knowledge um, to know everything and sit by sitting out, like, it's only beneficial for you, I, I believe, honestly. I want to talk a little bit further about that word confidence. Where does your confidence come from? Man, confidence is just something that's, for me, it's just something that's inside of me, honestly. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't like to lose. I don't like people to beat me. I don't, you can, I don't care. Usain Bolt can come over here and, I, and he ain't beat me in no race. I, that's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? That's just how yeah. I feel. And that's just something that, you have to, if you don't believe in yourself, I promise you nobody else gonna believe in you. Like it don't it don't matter how good you are. Like if you don't believe in yourself to go make that play, that coach ain't gonna call that call that play for you. That quarterback's not gonna throw the ball to you because he's like, ah, he don't even believe in himself. What I'm gonna believe in him for? So like that's just something that I built up. Like I just know that I worked so hard to to get to the to where I'm at and. I have confidence in my abilities. I have confidence, confidence in my work. I have confidence in the, the knowledge and all the nights and days and the blood, sweat, and tears that I put into it. I have confidence in that because I know I've done it and I've done it the right way. And it's going to pay off because I've, I've grinded that way. Okay. So, so off of that word confidence, I watch your videos in the morning time and I notice that you're always putting, and I remember I used to do that too. You put a timestamp and that timestamp for some who don't understand what that means is, oh, I can't believe they getting up that early. How important is it to you to have the discipline to not only do the things that you just talked about, the work, the blood, the sweat, but to get up to early to get it done? What does that mean to you? How does that come into this confidence we're Man, talking it's, about? For me, it's it's huge. Um, I've kind of touched on a little bit in a video I posted yet the other day, just like. Waking up at five o'clock, not too many people want to do it. Um, eight or eight or nine o'clock, a lot of people do it. Everybody gets up and works a nine to five. Everybody wants to do that. It's easier that way. But waking up at five o'clock, especially for me, I don't have to go out there and run two miles um, at five a.m. in the morning, but I do it because I know I know that there's a lot of people that aren't doing it, and I want to be that person that's mm. different from everybody else. <laughs> I don't want to do everything everybody else is doing, and. Um, I know that by me just going out there and getting those miles in, it's benefiting me. And I know that not too many people want to do it. So that's why I keep doing it. Cause I'm like, I know the guy next to me, he's not, he's not willing to go out there at 5 a.m. and uh, go get those miles in like I am. So that's what keeps me going back and forth, knowing that the next man is not willing to put in that same work as I am. 
So I put that stamp on there just so some going to look at it. Like you said, like, Oh, he's getting up early. But the people who really know about the grind, people who really, really understand it. They're like, oh, I see you. I see you, young blood. So that's how, that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny that you say that. Cause I've been blessed to have a lot of you guys who know my kids and my sons, my son, my daughter, they look up to you and I always talk about if you get up at five, if you get up at four, you just talked about the nine to five. That means you're beating. You have three hours that you have and you're putting work in before that person wakes up at eight, before that person wakes mm-hmm. up at nine. And so trying to instill that in them and, and he does it and, and and he doesn't do, do it by listening to me. He hears me, but yeah. he sees you guys yeah. as well. Right. And so he's like, daddy. I guess daddy does know what he's talking about, even though he won't yeah. tell me that, but, but he, so, so CJ, so you go to Grand Valley and you, how many yards? I forget what you said. The I, first I, game had, I know played. I had, let's, let's say that one more game. I had two, three catches, two touchdowns. I believe it was, I'm not exactly sure. So don't quote me on that. I'm like, I was around a hundred yards or something along That's those lines. Um, okay. But yeah, three okay. catches, okay. two touchdowns, not a bad day. Okay. First catch was a post for a okay. touchdown, I believe. <laughs> okay okay we're gonna we're gonna move on we're gonna move on now but that's that but but as he says that it's because he put the work in and so i remember one time i'll digress just a little bit and then we'll continue to move on i remember our star tennis player and you may not even remember this story our star tennis player is in my office and you told our star tennis player man i could beat you at yeah. tennis and he he's a shy guy big guy shy guy he was like uh, maybe I was like, no, he cannot beat you. Would you tell him go get a racket and let's do this? But that's just yeah. the confidence that you have about what it is that 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 your existence on this planet. So move on to so that's your first year. You got two years at Grand Valley. So now you're moving into the second year and you're getting some looks from this 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 organization called the NFL. What did that mean to you, and how did you start dealing with that? Um, honestly, um. Uh... I have got when, like I said, I got suspended as a true freshman, and that's I kind of think that was because I got on a little high horse. You know, I, I was a guy I got a D one offer, I was on top of the world, and I kind of learned from that opportunity. I kind of learned from that that I won't say mistake. I kind of learned from that, whatever you want to call it, uh, from getting suspended. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't really think it's a mistake or it's nothing, anything I regret. That's mm-hmm. just part of my story. Uh, but I learned from that. I didn't want to get high almighty and say, oh, I'm about to get recruited by the NFL or there's an opportunity. I kind of went out there each and every day just as I was out here playing Division Two football, having fun and playing a game I love. And that's how I approached mm-hmm. each and every day. I didn't, I didn't want to look to the future and just kind of be playing each and every game because I wanted to get something from it. I didn't want to be my sole reason to go out there and have that much my sole reason to go out there and make those plays was because I want to get seen by the NFL because that that just felt like I was putting too much pressure on myself if the only reason you want to go out there and play the game that you love is to make money from it it's it's, it's going to be very hard to make it I can guarantee you that um there's not many people that get to make it in the first place but if you're not playing it because you love the game if you don't enjoy the people you're playing it with if you're not embracing those those uh friendships those those the, the loving the brotherhood that locker room vibes, that everyday grind. If you don't love that, you're never going to make the money when it comes. So if that's your sole focus of playing the game you love, 
it's going to be hard. And um, I mean, I started getting the looks and I mean, people's people, my family and everybody heard about it more than I did. I would always say just contact my wife when agents and them call. And I mean, I remember you in the locker room before each game with CJ, what are you going to play like today? You're going to be like D- division two player, NFL player. You say something along those lines. Every game I used to be like, you already know what time it is, doc. <laughs> you know what time it is. Eh? We're going to eat every time. And, and you know, and you know what's funny? Every single time. And it was so funny because I remember the guys got on me one time because I had to do a recruiting visit for basketball. And so I was running late because that was before every game. I pull you by the bathroom yeah. and that's what we would say. And one time I was running late and then they had told me, they was like, man, CJ was like, man, what doc at? But it's funny because you're right. I remember you saying, contact my wife, contact yeah. my wife to the agents and everything. But I love what you just said that you play the game to be the best that you could be. And you was just going to let everything else fall the way it was supposed to play. But you said you did everything in your control that you could control to be the best you could possibly be. That's important. And I think that's important for, once again, not just young people, but everybody to understand. There's some things that you, the NFL, as you, that's out of your control. You can't control what the scout says and where they put you on the board, right? But what you can control is giving your complete effort to where they do put you on that board. And so now you're on that board and you get drafted. Talk to me about that. Yeah, man, that was an exciting time, honestly. Uh, that's probably one of the most exciting times in my life, honestly. Um, I mean, coming out, I had the grade of third round to fifth round. And that second day, I was like, okay, I just a chance. I seen all these receivers start going. I'm getting, you know, just the competitiveness. I'm frustrated. Like, come on, you taking this little bum? Come on, man. You got like, the scrub over here. Like, that's how it is. And um, so the third day, I was like, there's no way I don't, I don't get drafted the third day. So we had a party, me and my family. Um, had a bunch of people over there. And it was, it was, it was really, it was, it was, it's hard to explain it, honestly. It's, it still gets me a little mm-hmm. emotional to this point. Um, Cause I remember getting that phone call and um, just sitting there. I remember waving to my, to my wife, like, Hey, turn on TV. Like, Hey, y'all pay attention. Start, start video camera and everything. I remember getting that phone call and just sitting there and they just like, Hey, we're going to take you with the next pick. And it was like, my picture came across, everything came across the screen and stuff. And just my dad ran outside crying, just like, I'm, I'm happy I lived to see my son get drafted and everybody's crying. And for me, it was just like, man, I went through this journey. I done been suspended. I done went to California living in a, basically it was in the closet. I was working at Olive Garden Arby's. I was grinding. I was trying to be a father from a distance. I was trying to be a husband from a distance. I was getting in trouble. Um, You know what I'm saying? I I was during that time too. I had gotten in trouble. I went to jail. I, I had did all this stuff between that time from high school to that day getting drafted. And it was just like, I made it. It was like, I made it, but I was, there was a reason. I was like, this was the reason why I kept going. This is the reason mm-hmm. why you talk about the word failure. I didn't fail. I kept going mm-hmm. through all those things that could have set me back that kept knocking me down. Those hurdles that kept knocking me down those blocks that ah maybe it was a hard to climb i kept going i didn't fail and that's what that's what that was that was what was good for me is like i seen it as 
a lot of people see that that hurdle, that roadblock as an obstacle. And at that moment, I seen it as something I could stand up on top of and say, I'm going, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here. It's not, I'm not going to see that as an obstacle. And that's how I approached it. And during that time, it was, it was just, it was surreal, man. Honestly, like uh, it was a moment that I'll never forget the feeling. I'll never forget. And still just watching draft, draft every year, I get that feeling. And when I see other kids get that opportunity, like it's just, it's just something that it's hard to explain, especially when you, when you know what you put in and you know what you've been through and you know, you just know, man, it's just, you just, it's just different. Yeah. So, 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 you know, life I feel is peaks, valleys, peaks, valleys, but it's never happening to you. It's always happening for you. So I think about up to where we are right now in this, in this podcast where you've talked about the different things that you've been through. And, and I thank you for being transparent. So now you're on this, this, this Green Bay Packers team, right? And I remember, I remember we used to see you send us videos of practice and you killing them in practice, right? There's this D2 kid uh, and killing them in practice. And I remember I was, um, I was going to speak. I was going to speak, do a do a presentation, and I remember you giving me a phone call because you would end up going to Cleveland, end up going to Cleveland, and I remember you on Cleveland's team, and you would gave me a phone call, and I said, "What's going on?" And I, I stopped and I told him I'd be in there in a minute, and you said, "Man, Doc, you're not gonna believe this," and I was like, "What's going on?" And that's when you told me your knee was messed up, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to me yeah. about that because a lot of times you you just said peaks valleys. We said peaks valleys, so we yeah. think we we're in the NFL now. It's all good. It's crazy. Yeah. It was it was crazy coming in NFL. You, I'm like I've never missed a game in college for injury or anything. I've never missed a game in college. I've never been injured or anything throughout my whole college career. Um, so I come into Green Bay Packers and it's the third day of rookie minicamp. We're about to go out to practice, and I tell the trainers, you know, if anybody know watching, they see, they know about rookie minicamp, they know. As a rookie, you're out there uh-huh. just sprinting. It's a track meet. Uh-huh. So I come in the third day. I'm like, hey, my hamstring's a little tight. I'm going to pull my hamstring. I said, nah, you're all right. Uh, you're just tight. I said, okay. So I went out that practice, pulled my hamstring. So coming in the next day, the vets, the vets got in with us, and um, I remember walking in, and First thing Aaron Rodgers says when he walk in, he says, where's this Charles Johnson kid that everybody's talking about? I had just pulled my hamstring the day before. I was over there like, mm-hmm. I'm right here. So <laughs> I end up having to miss the off-season uh, program just to heal my hamstring. That Then I come back in in training camp, and they tell me, hey, the number four spot is yours for the taking. I'm out there. First two days, I'm eating. I'm killing it. And uh, I end up running a slant. Boom quarterback throws the ball a little behind and I kind of tweak my knee what they told me was a MCL sprain and this this and that so I'm recovering from that I get back and I'm practicing and and playing and everything and then Cleveland calls and I end up going to Cleveland so when I get to Cleveland I just flew from Green Bay just got off practice I flew to uh, Cleveland from Green Bay got there next morning I had my physical and the doctor checks my knee he says you know your ACL is torn I was like, uh, how's my ACL torn? I just literally just got done practicing. It's like, no, it ain't. He's like, well, it's torn. We're going to get an MRI confirmed and 
sure enough, it was confirmed that it was torn. So we checked the previous MRIs in Green Bay, and sure enough, it has been torn for six to eight weeks. But I was still grinding. I was still going out there and getting it. So, yeah, I missed that whole whole year with a ACL. Um, so rookie year was gone. But it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Because I remember our yeah. conversation, and I remember your agent saying, because, you know, I, they didn't have to keep you. Mm-mm. But they said they keeping you. <laughs> They're yeah, not letting yeah. you go. Yeah. So, I mean, since I it was like a they consider it like a non-football injury since I don't uh-huh. know how to consider. It. I mean, I was, yeah. you know, I was a rookie in the league uh-huh. and yeah, they didn't have to keep me. They could have let me go. But I had a great relationship with North Turner and Scott Turner, who were the coaches at Cleveland at the time. I, they worked me out back here in my house before the draft. So we kind of built that connection. And yeah, we had that connection. They kept me around. Okay, so then you do well in Cleveland, and I remember coming to a game, and I remember my son was so happy because we came to the game, and you gave him his gave gave him your gloves, <laughs> yeah. and for him, all the other kids is like, wait a minute, how do you what the how did he just give you? And I'm like, I'm looking at him, and he just thinking he the man. So appreciate that. <laughs> Still to yeah, this day, yeah, he man. has those gloves. So then you go to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. So now it's another transition in your life. And this is your opportunity to just kill it because the coaches love you. And so once again, it's never happening to you. It's happening for you. So yep. talk to me about the Vikings. Tell, talk to me about yeah, that journey. So after that first year in Cleveland, uh, the next year, North Turner and Scott Turner, they end up going to be offensive coordinator and QB's coach at the Vikings. And sure enough, they called my phone again. Hey, you want to come over to the Vikings? And yeah, I took that trip and went over there and, I had, I had a little bit of success there, man. Honestly, it was it was great time. I loved it there. Um, I remember coming in like the first day I was signing my my uh, physical and everything. And one of the trainers mentioned, mentioned to one of the receivers, like, this is guy that's coming to take your spot to one of the other receivers. And he kind of mm-hmm. shrugged it off. And I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I ended up going on. And right. I mean, I was learning the playbook the first three, four weeks. And then sure enough, I came become the starter. So, yeah, I did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think about everything that you've told me, CJ, and I think about the Olive Garden story. I think about your kids. I think about everything. And, and, and like I said, the name of this broadcast, the name of this podcast is called The Purpose Lab, and we're interviewing the most successful failures. And you just said yourself that there is no failing as long as you don't quit. Mm-hmm. What made you continue on? Because from there, you 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 know, we can still talk about your time in the league, but then you were out of the league. And and at that point, you knew because of the confidence that you keep telling me about that you can play because you played at that level. You've dominated at that level. So now you go to this other league. What was your thought process in at this other league? Yeah, man, like you said, I was – in the NFL, I kept getting banged up. I just kept catching bad breaks. I started a lot of games, and it just like I couldn't never get through a full season without injuries. And then, yeah, uh, I got the opportunity. I was coming off another knee surgery, um, and a lot of teams were concerned about my knee um, because of the surgery that I had. And uh, I got the opportunity to go play in the, the AAF, the league. And my thing was I – I kind of lost the love for football, honestly. At that at that point in my life, I kind of lost the love that I once had for football because the injuries were stealing some of the sudden love from me and then just the politics of just playing in the NFL and how everything transpired there just was kind of ripping the love that I once had uh, playing the game through college and 
in high school. So I went to the AAF and I was just going to go out there and just play. And I got that sense very early, just being around the guys, being around the coaching staff, that it had that college type feeling in the locker room, college type feeling on the, on the field. And I went out there and pre- played free. And I went out there every week to show everybody that I was the best guy in the league, period. And um, I really found a love for the game again when I, when I went out there in the AAF because I could go out there and just play and play because I loved, loved it. And Coach Spurrier, he didn't care if I was the leading receiver in the, in the league. If in practice I didn't make a play, if, I, if he threw me that post on that play and I didn't catch it, you can guarantee I, was, I wasn't going to get that play in the game. So that's what I enjoyed about it. I had to work every day. I had to compete every day. It wasn't about who was the first round pick or who got paid $10 million or who's your buddy, who is this, who plays in the AAF. So it was all about we had to show up each and every day at practice to compete, to be in the game, to get those plays. And that's what I embraced. I enjoyed that because I love the game. I love the grind. So that made it easy for me. So, so you talked about, this is perfect, the love for the game. And so you got that love back. And I remember having conversations, Justice and I and, and your guys, and 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 they were talking about that. Like he's not in love with it anymore. And 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 I seen and we would talk about, man, he killing it in that league. And you can see it. I remember talking to you and you, you just had this different type of conversation about you. And so how important is having that love for something you do? How important is that when it comes to having the confidence, when it comes to staying disciplined, is to have that love for something? Yeah, I think it's very important, man. I always tell people, like the kids I work with, like if you don't love it, there's no point in doing it. And it's easy in the NFL. I know guys right now to this day who's making a bunch of money who don't love the game and they can't wait until their contracts up to 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 set to hang them up because they just don't have that love. And I think that's, I mean, the NFL is a business. And a, a lot of if you in there, you understand that, and it can it can kind of steal that love from for, uh, for for the game for you from you. And I think it's important to like. I don't care what job you have. Like, I think it's more important to love what you do, to to love making a lot a lot of money because you're doing it. Like, it don't matter if I'm making a hundred thousand dollars here, but I can't stand going to work. Or if I'm making seventy five thousand over here, but I enjoy I enjoy the people I'm going around. I love what I do. I rather I take that every day, um, because it's something you got to do, and it's something that you got to prepare and just um, it's something you got to be around all the time. So for me, it's it's a no brainer that if you don't love what you do, there's no point in doing it. Like we only on this earth for such a little time. Why why would you waste your time chasing just chasing a little bit of money that you only get to take with you and uh, following mm-hmm. some hate as opposed to loving what you do and you got you got enough money to survive, so that's how I see it. Definitely, definitely, and 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 I think you see it the way a lot of us need to maybe shift and reframe to seeing life because you said something key. We have a little bit of time, and all of us have the same contract, and in that contract, we're going to end up at the same place. Yeah. Well, maybe not the same place, depending <laughs> on what we believe, but we're yeah. all going to end at that same place. So. I think that's key. And so if you had to tell your younger self something that you know now that you want to prepare them for, what would you say to them right now? If something I had to tell my younger self right now, 
Uh, if you can go back in that time machine, Elon Musk created that time machine for you to go back and tell your younger self something. What would that thing be? Because you're working with young kids now. Yeah. So what is that one thing you would tell your younger self? I think I'll tell myself, my younger self, that maybe like that I matter. Um, mm. I say that because, I mean, my growing up, bro, I was tough, honestly. And there was times where it was just like, man, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Do I, you know what I'm saying? Do I really matter? Um, my dad was really sick. My mom was an alcoholic and it would then, you know, I was sleeping on people's couches and I was sleeping there so many nights that they asked me to move in with them, multiple families. And that's just how it was. And I sometimes you get that feeling that you didn't matter. You just was existing. And I tell myself that I mattered. And maybe at a younger age, I would have felt the confidence that I have now and I would have started it earlier and I would have embraced it earlier and I would have grinded earlier. I would have studied harder earlier and it would have set me up and made the transition uh, to where I am now to I'm now a little easier, I believe, um, just to tell myself that I mattered and that my life was important, that people were battling for me, that my life mattered to, to somebody. So I would probably say, yeah, I mattered. Definitely, definitely. And so now you get a chance to really just tell me who inspired you. What what is there a movie? Is there a book that you've watched or a book uh, a book that you've read or a movie you watched that inspired you? And if it did inspire you, how did it inspire you? What inspires me? Ah, that's a tough question, Doc. <laughs> I, I know, oh, I know. Man, I mean I think kind of like the, I don't know. There's so many people that I've became in relationship with or touched or got to listen to or grab hold of or just connect with that have motive, just, you know, just puzzles, pieces that's just implemented a little bit into my life. And it's hard for me just to say that one person has inspired me. Mm -hmm. Like even mm -hmm. yourself, Doc, like we wouldn't have the connection you, we have if you didn't inspire me at some some point. My father, he inspired me because I seen him grind and, and go to work construction for 20 plus years and just that whole thing. And then there's motivational guys that I watch and just people that I watch do this in business that, I, that I'm interested in now and how they inspire me, my kids, how they inspire me. So that it's hard for me to just to choose one, one, one person and say that one guy really inspires me because – I think there's a bunch of little things that like a puzzle that just pieces each, each person together. You know, what's funny is I ask that question a lot and those successful failures that we're on a journey to interview, all of them say that has been a lot of different people because remember, and, and what I'm getting from it and what I understand is everybody played and every situation played a part of that puzzle. And that puzzle was truly incomplete with all those different things that we had to learn from that we had to grow from. And so I, I you answered it perfectly that it's oh, not yeah. just one thing, one person is, it's, it's multiple things in multiple situations because you being a greeter prepared you for something you doing this prepared you for something. And so I appreciate you. And so um, when you think about the word purpose, what does purpose mean to you? If you, 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 you get to create the word purpose definition, what does it mean to you? Purpose. Um, ah, purpose. I would say it kind of, 
I would say it would be something along the lines of like, there is a reason behind what you're doing or there's a reason behind who you are. There's a reason behind of what is to become. Um, there's a reason behind everything. So I say, so that's what I, that's kind of what I would say in my thing, uh, what purpose is like, there's a reason behind why I've had to endure some of the things I've had to endure and that there's going to be an outcome on the other end. There's a reason that I'm going through it to get to the other side of it. That's how I kind of picture it. I think, I don't, I don't know. I never, I don't even know what the real definition of purpose is. <laughs> I think, I, th- I think you answered it. And I think I, I, I told somebody today, I said, I believe we all come to this planet with gifts and talents. I believe we all come to this planet with our purpose. And I think our purpose is inside of us. And I think all the words that you've touched on, you talked about discipline, you've talked about confidence, you talked about love. I think all that creates and helps create what our purpose is, because I think what we're dealing with now is because in in, in this in this world is we forget about humanity we forget about loving one another because those two things that you talked about, having that confidence to know that it's our job to learn. And as we learn, we can teach. And you've just like a lot of the athletes that I've come in contact with a lot of people, you've guys taught me so much. I watch you from before. We don't talk all the time, but whenever I call you, you're there for me. I watch you in the videos. I watch you in the different things I watched when you couldn't be there with your daughter and you, created the video. And so you've taught me so much. So I appreciate you for that because you're helping me become a better father. Okay. So I would be remiss to say this, cause I don't think we got this on tape, but, um, so, so one of my dream cars and, and you might've heard me on the last podcast is a test. But the reason why I got in, one of the reasons <laughs> I got into Tesla's is because of this young man right here who got a Tesla and I was so in awe. But then the other day, cause he's real funny. And where can they find you at on, on your um, TikTok and everything? Can where can they find you? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Incredible X I I Mr. I N K. It's Mr. Incredible with the K X I I. So Mr. Uh-huh. Incredible Twelve, basically with yeah. this Incredible with the K. You know, that, that's you what know, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make stuff. sure we get the followers <laughs> because when I tell you, this dude is hilarious, and it's so funny because when you know CJ, you know he has that in him. But then when you know CJ, if you don't know him, you would think is that him? Because you think he just keeps to himself. You think he don't got time for nobody. But when you watch the videos, you're going to be amazed. But one of the videos I had to uh, talk to him because I'm like, why would you jump on your Tesla's hood to create a video? He said, yeah, I thought about it after I did it. Because like, you're going to ditch your car. But, but that's just who he is because he's trying to make the world smile. And that's another thing about him is he's always had this contagious smile that I watched the young men when we were at one of his games. I watched all these young boys when he was leaving the field. He would just smile and sign the autographs. And that was contagious, CJ, because the young men, you made them feel like anything was possible because you told them the same thing you're saying right now, put the work in. And I watch you with the young men that you're working with um, on the field. And and they're so excited to be there. So thank you for your smile. Thank you for... um, for taking the time to do this podcast with me. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for letting the world know that it's not how you start, but it's how you finish that counts. And and I appreciate 
everything you shared with my audience. And I can't wait to have you back on again um, with the next part of your journey, because I know you're into um, fitness, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm into fitness now. Um, So now I've been training kids about five days a week. And honestly, um, I made a lot of money. I played in a lot of football games. I've been around a lot of people. I've met some of the top most wealthiest people in the world and nothing is more fulfilling than what I'm doing now. Honestly, um, nothing's gave me the feeling that I'm, that I have now, um, being able to make a mark on these young, these young kids and boys and girls, and just be able to instill some of the knowledge that I've, I've learned in athletics, but most importantly, the knowledge that I've learned throughout my, my time on earth and throughout my life to instill it in them and let them know that, not only can I create you to be a better athlete, but I can create you to be a better human. I can tell you what I went through so and tell you how to overcome it. So when you reach that point, you you, you already been told. You already know know the uh, answers to the test. And hopefully you can avoid some of those things that I had to go through. So honestly, like training these kids, is, it's been super rewarding, super fulfilling. And it's something that I feel like I was – I was it was something that I feel like I was meant to do. And – I just I enjoy going out there and just spreading my knowledge onto them. And I, I I've love, been, I've been and I love how you use the analogy, because I often use the analogy, which will connect to what you just said. I think that we're living this world is a university and it's an opportunity for us to learn. And as we learn, we're supposed to teach. We're student and then we learn and then we teach. We're student, we learn some new information and then we teach. And you just said something that was so powerful that connects with that. You're trying to give them the answers to the test. And so thank you for all you're doing and thank you for um, helping these young men and young women understand that there is an answer. You just have to search for it and you have to be willing to put the time in, the discipline in, and you got to be willing to put the blood, sweat and tears in, like you said. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me cry in my office um, with the things that you've been through. I thank you for inviting me to, um, to, to the NFL game and giving me the worst tickets ever. But I guess that's the tickets that they give to you when we're at Ford Field. <laughs> And, and and it was the last row in four field. Me and your family, I know. Me and your family was literally Ford Field is a dome. For those of you who don't watch football, or if you do watch football, we were literally in the last row. We're watching this star player on the Minnesota Vikings, and we're in the last row. But it didn't matter because I was just so happy to be there with my son and another young man who hadn't yet made it to that 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 level that you're at now. Madjudan, we all drove to that game together. And so thank you once again. But I appreciate you, sir. And thank you for taking time out to be part of the Purpose Lab, where we're on a mission to interview the most successful failures. So thank you for failing your way to success. I appreciate you, sir. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Arnold, man. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it, man. Honestly, um, appreciate everything you've done for me. Uh, appreciate you, the, the talks that you've given me, uh, the times in the office, the <laughs> slaps on the head, all the things that you've done me. Um, you've been a true inspiration to me as well, uh, honestly. And apologize for those tickets my dad my dad was it's, it's all good well. <laughs> but uh i, I, I got wasn't you, my I got <laughs> and yeah just thank you guys for having me on and i really appreciate it anytime you guys 
Need me to get on here chat about anything? I got just, you. We will. We're going to hold you to that because they need Thank to hear you. this. CJ, when I say we got so many young men who that's their aspiration to go to the NFL and I want them to have their dream, but I want them to understand what their dream will entail. You can't just have do it to play at that level. And even if you don't make it to that level, if you're putting in the mm-hmm. work, you're going to make it to where you're supposed to be because it's about the work. Yep, exactly. That's how it is. I mean, I the little kids I work with the other day, one came up to me, he's probably 12 years old. He said, I want to go to the NFL. How do I do it? I said, well, one, mm. it starts here. You got to start loving the game. And keep coming here, showing up and loving the game. Don't worry about making it to the NFL. Let it let it come to you. Don't go chase Definitely. So thank you, CJ. So, yeah. I appreciate you. Wow. Once again, another fabulous interview. And I think about all the different nuggets that this young man gave to us, you know, from Red Lobster to Olive Garden to the NFL. But understanding what we always say, that is never happening to you, it's happening for you. So everything that he was able to bottle up and do what he what he's ultimately doing now, which is working with young men and young women and talking to them about how important it is to stay in alignment with purpose. And so I enjoyed this interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as me. But thank you, CJ, once again, for being part of the Purpose Lab, because you truly are living a life on purpose. And as I always say, you are the plug and you get to determine what you plug into and what you unplug from. Stay powered by purpose. It's grind time. Let's go.